Go ahead and grab a seat, if you will. We're going to get right into the Word of God. And if you have a Bible with you, go ahead and, and get it out. You can turn it to Matthew chapter 12. Uh, if you're following along with your phone, do the same. We don't mind if you pull out your phone and take notes. Just don't be like catching any Pokemon or anything like that. That'd be, that'd be great. Um, <laughs> we're in our series called Life and Death. And we have been talking a lot about our words and the importance of our words. You guys know that words have power. How many of you guys believe that? Our words have power, right? I was reading a verse this week that really arrested me, kind of haunted me a little bit, and uh, so I thought I'd share it with you. <laughs> you share in my pain and joy and all of it, you know? So uh, Matthew chapter 12, verse 35, we, we started to look at some of these things a few weeks ago or last week as well. The good person out of the good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. This is the, the scripture that kind of got me. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Now, that's some weighty, that's a weighty sentence right there, isn't it? And there's many different ways we could go and interpret this scripture and try to get behind it. And, there, and no doubt there are many different ways to look at this. Nonetheless, how many of you guys have ever been affected by someone else's careless words? Is anybody? I mean, they didn't even have to mean the words for the words to have power in your life. And what happens with careless words is they get sowed as, sown as a seed in your life and they can start to grow. And what may be a small careless word can over time and possibly over years begin to grow into something. And you may not even have realized what it has turned into until one day maybe something pushes a button and all of a sudden everything starts to be revealed. Or maybe it's the Holy Spirit that reveals that there was a seed that was sown by careless words over, over your life. And we have all these opportunities for this to happen. I, I was, we were leaving a church years ago, and uh, we were talking with one of the pastors, and we were leaving, and one of the pastors on staff began to tell me, said, well, you know, I just want you to know that many people who've left this church, bad, basically bad things have happened to them. People become addicts, they got divorced, they lost their families, and I'm like, well, I'm not receiving any of that, you know? And, and no doubt, no doubt, these were just careless, emotional words. I, I don't believe that they were intended to, to cause harm. I just think they were emotional, careless words. But we all have a moment when emotional, careless words are thrown out, what we do with those emotional, careless words. And, and no doubt, Many of us, if not all of us, have been affected by someone else's careless words. And I don't have to share a lot of it for you to understand it because you've heard it. You're too short, you're too tall, you're too fat, you're too skinny, you're not good enough, you're not going to make the team, you're, you're second string, you're, uh, I don't love you anymore, I hate you. All of these things, you're, not, you're no longer a, a son of mine. Some people have heard these words throughout our life. And, and many, a myriad of other words... And if we give people the benefit of the doubt, they were careless words. 
But again, careless words have power. And I'm ashamed to say that I have said many careless words myself. And far more than I want to admit to, maybe I didn't think it was a big deal. Maybe it was just something that I just, I didn't feel much pain in saying it, but the other person may have felt a great deal of pain because of careless words. And, and here's, the, here's the deal. Everything that we see, everything that our eyes lay upon, that we take in, was created by God's word. I mean, the book of Genesis says that he spoke the world's into existence. Hebrews 11 talks about that. Genesis, we see it actually happening as he speaks, let there be light. As he speaks, and, and he spoke. So everything that we see, if we believe scriptures, which I believe that you do, was created by the words that God spoke. So God created the world that we live in by words. Here's the question for us today. What kind of world are we creating by the words that we speak. Because words are powerful. Words are creative. Words can cause things to be set in motion. Words can cause seeds that begin to grow up into our hearts. And, and the book of James talks about this in such an extreme way. But like, listen to how extreme. Uh, I'll call him Pastor James. Pastor James preaching a sermon. James chapter 3, verse 5 says, So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire. It's a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body. Can you listen to the weight of all these words? It's like staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. Now, this is encouraging so far, right? I mean, this is a strong, strong sermon. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile, the sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed, but no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and, and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. Sometimes you expect like a, a sermon like that to be in the Old Testament. This is in the New Testament, right? I mean, it's like, wow. I mean, this is, Wow. In verse 2, I believe, uh, of this chapter, he, he talks about how if we could control our words, we could control our whole body. If we control our words, we could control our whole life. It's like a bit in the mouth of a horse. Like even though you get this big, strong animal, it can be controlled by a little bit in the mouth. And he's saying the same thing is true of us. And if, it, if you don't have that, how many of you guys know a horse can be pretty out of control sometimes, right? Have you ever tried to ride one that didn't have a bit in its mouth, Right? Nobody? I have. Uh, <laughs> maybe that's just me. I, no, seriously. I, I, my, my dad had a horse on his property. I think it was my brother Jake's or something. And uh, I just came there one time, and I'm like, I'm going to ride this horse, you know? There was no saddle. There was nothing on it. I'm just like, how hard can it be, right? And so I got on the horse, and I just started riding around, sort of walking around with this horse. I'm just hanging on the back, and then pretty soon it starts to trot, and I'm like, well, that's bumpy, you know? Um, but then I just kept going. Pretty soon it started going pretty fast. And for whatever reason, the horse stopped, but I kept going right over the top of it, right there, flat out. And it's one of those moments. How many of you guys ever had that moment where you don't care how hurt you are, you just care if anybody saw it happen, right? 
I don't care if my bones are broken, if my face fell off. I don't care. I mean, I just want to know, and I'm looking all around. But how many of you guys know, it, it, sometimes it can be out of control. That's what he's saying. So he's using this extreme language to share how extreme this topic is. How many of you guys would agree this is a pretty big topic, right? So if, if James were here today, and he was trying to illustrate this for us, like he's trying to say, this is what it's like. Where would he go? What kind of extreme place would he go and extreme lengths would he go to to try to illustrate this picture for us? He's talking about a forest fire. I believe he would go to the Weather Channel because they exaggerate everything. <laughs> so let's watch what he would use. Let's watch the Weather Channel. Now, believe it or not, more than 80% of wildfires start because of human activity. Often it's a stray ember from an unattended campfire or a tossed cigarette that can ignite a firestorm. And it doesn't take much and can spread quickly. Now, climate trends warn that these fires will continue to be more intense and burn longer than just a few decades ago. Now, the smoke itself is hot and races high into the sky, becoming visible for miles. So let's get above that smoke for a better view. Unfortunately, the strong winds are really giving these flames life. In fact, by the looks of it, this fire is spreading at ludicrous speeds and becoming an unstoppable firestorm. Fires like this one can consume up to a football field every second, just like the Thomas fire did in December of 2017. And since heat rises, fires travel faster as they move uphill. Wind can also push embers downwind and start new fires. This is known as spotting, putting homes on the mountainside in great danger. Wildfires can turn forest floors and even neighborhoods into nearly unstoppable raging infernos with temperatures reaching over 1,500 degrees Fahrenheit. Winds carry the thick smoke for miles, turning day into night and making it difficult to breathe. If you live in a wildfire-prone area, be sure you and your family have a plan of action. Residents could have a few hours to only a few minutes to escape to safety. Now, hopefully your neighborhood will never be in the path of a wildfire like this one. But the frequency and size of the extreme fire disasters has increased as the average temperature rises. And scenes like this uh, could become a frightening new reality. Wow, positive thinking right there. That's great. I, but, that, but seriously, it, James is trying to use that extreme language. He's saying, this is what it's like. This is the potential. So that's, that's what he's saying. So how many of you guys want to create a godly world around you? Anybody want to create a godly world around us with our words? How do we do that? I'm, I'm going to share a few things with us that may seem at first counterintuitive, but again, we're talking about creating an ecosystem of godly world around us. The first thing I would encourage us to do is to, number one, employ the power of ignore. Do you know how, that you have an, an extraordinary power to simply ignore things? You realize that you don't have to address everything that comes your way. You don't have to address every attack. You don't have to address every comment that someone says. You don't have to address every uh, situation. You don't have to address every single move that the enemy makes in your life. And... and some of us, we feel compelled, and I say some of us because I am some of us, okay? Sometimes I've felt compelled to address everything that comes into my life. And I started to realize I don't have to address everything that comes in my life. I have this incredible power of ignore. 
And Jesus used this power of ignore several times. I'll just share one story with you in Luke chapter 8, verse 40. It says, now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting, on, waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, who's, uh, who was a ruler of the synagogue. And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter, and she was about 12 years old, and she was sick and, and dying. And Jesus went for the people pressed around him. As Jesus went, the people pressed around him. Skip down to verse 49. It says, while he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, your daughter's dead. Don't trouble the teacher anymore. All right. Jesus doesn't have to come anymore. Now sit to everybody. The daughter's dead. What does Jesus do? He, he basically, he, he just says this. He skips over that comment, ignores that comment, and just speaks directly to the person, to Jairus. He says, do not fear, only believe. He totally ignored that this news came that said the daughter's dead. There's no reason to come. He just ignored it. He said, don't, don't fear, only believe, and she will be well. And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him. So he ignored a whole crowd of people. And he said, except for Peter, James, and John, and the father and mother of the child, and all were weeping and mourning for her. But he said, so he, he says this, he says, don't weep, for the child is not dead. She's just sleeping. And they laughed at him. Now, people are laughing at Jesus, not for a good reason, right? What does Jesus do? He could have rebuked them. He could have corrected them. What did he do? He ignored them. He just simply ignored them. And, and it says, but taking her by the hand, he called her and he said, child, arise. And her spirit returned and she got up at once and directed that something should be given her to eat. Several times in this story, several times in scripture, Jesus just ignored things. You have an incredible power of ignore. You don't have to address everything that comes into your life. Sometimes you just need to ignore the enemy's attack. Sometimes you just need to ignore the extreme emotions in your life. I know I'm going to get some pushback on that. That's all right. Sometimes you just need to ignore the lies. Not all the time. There's sometimes you got some work to do. You got to deal with some stuff. I get that. I'm not saying all the time, but I am saying that sometimes we simply entertain and breathe life to a false narrative in our life. Sometimes we end up giving fuel to a fire that never should have started. And sometimes the best thing you can do is ignore. Do you know why? Because if you come up to me after the service and I, I just ignored you, what would that communicate to you? That would communicate, I don't feel like you're that important. Have you guys ever walked up to somebody and, and you just, they had just ignored you and you felt like completely unimportant, right? Sometimes we just need to make the enemy feel completely unimportant. See, the power of ignore is just like, you're not that important to me. You have no power of my, over my life. I'm just going to ignore that. I'm going to ignore that you tried to say that. I'm going to ignore that you tried to plant a lie in my life because it's not even that important to me because I'm so attached to the truth. A lie has no place in my life. Sometimes you just need to ignore. Do you realize that there are some words that are spoken to you that you simply can choose not to receive? A few weeks ago, someone was speaking something to me that, that was really felt very, very damaging to me. Very damaging. And I felt something happen in me. The only way I can describe it is as, as they were speaking, I felt myself start to take ownership of the words. And then the Holy Spirit just quickened me. He said, you do not have to own those words. 
Those were spoken. You don't have to own every word that's spoken at you, that's spoken to you, that tries to get spoken into you. You can simply let them fall to the ground by the power of ignore. I believe the Holy Spirit can empower you with such strength and boldness that you don't even have to address everything that comes in your life. Sometimes we're so busy chasing everything, we're trying to put out fires instead of just, just realizing that, you know, some things you just got to ignore and don't even let near your house. The second thing is this, though. If you do have a spark, put it out. Put the fire out while it's still a spark. Don't let it grow into a forest fire. How do you guys know it's a lot harder to put out a forest fire than it is an ember? An ember, you just go like this. A forest fire, you got to bring in the jets, and you got to bring in the helicopters, and the weather channel, and all sorts of people, you know? But a, a, an ember, all you do is just, you just put it out. You don't have to get into a hole, but you can put it out while it's still a spark. Because what happens is so many times we're holding gasoline and we've got a dry uh, place of grass. How many of you guys know dry grass, match, matches, and gasoline? What's going to happen? It's going to go up. My, my dad, one time we were driving in a motorhome back from, from Texas to Missouri. And my dad, how many of you guys have, are, maybe you guys are like this. We had a 24-hour drive in front of us. My dad says we're doing the whole thing without staying anywhere, like the whole thing. We're in a motorhome, no less, and following behind in cars as well. The motorhome, it broke down several times. We're on the side of the road. My grandparents were with us. My dad, who's not a mechanic, by the way, at all, he's not a mechanic. <laughs> he fixes vehicles with a hammer because he's a carpenter, so that's what he does. And so I just remember this scene happening. We're pulled over the side of the road in Texas. It's hot. It's dry. For whatever reason, it was one of those motorhome things. Like you, you take the cover off from the inside of the vehicle and there's like an engine exposed there. And I'm not a mechanic. All I know how to do is preach. Okay, that's it. You know, so, no, that's not true. But uh, I, I don't know anything about vehicles, but I remember this. I remember for whatever reason, my grandfather was standing in the door of the motorhome. My dad was huddled over this engine for some reason pouring gasoline into the engine from the inside. I don't know if this is a thing or not, but all I remember is whatever he was holding caught fire in his hand, like gasoline. It's on fire. He throws it out the window, almost catches my grandfather on fire. My grandpa jumps out of the way. It goes out into the grass. The whole median goes on fire. And we're all out there trying to, we got the fire out. I don't even know how we got it out. Well, it's probably because there's like 70,000 children in my family. We just ran out there and got the job done. But, uh, but it's just, it was just, whoom, just went up. How, how much easier it is just to put the gas can away, right? But in our life, so many times we let things begin to grow. We let it grow until it's out of control. And a forest fire is a lot harder to put out than a spark. You know that you can, you can completely eradicate and evict gossip from your life. You know, gossip is such a huge problem. I'm not even talking about just for believers. I'm just talking about in general, how hurtful it is and how cutting it is and how damaging it is. We think it's safe because, well, the other person isn't hearing us. But remember, like I talked about last week in Jack Hayford's story that words have the power to give place to an attitude and an attitude has power to have influence in our life and influence has power to become the leader of our life because leadership is influence. But, but I, I, just, I just remember, you know, 
so many times gossip can be such a big deal. Here's how you completely eradicate gossip from your life. Okay, write this down. It's going to be important. It's a big formula. It's going to be really challenging, so get ready. Number one, stop speaking gossip. (laughs) Stop saying it. Number two, stop listening to it. That's it. You can have a gossip-free life. You could have a world around you. What kind of life would you have if your world was around you and it was gossip-free? You realize you do not have to be anybody's trash can. You don't have to listen to their junk. You don't have to listen to their gossip. You can stop and say, I'm sorry, this is not for me. Return to sender. This is for someone else. Mail it to them. Well, I want to be a listening ear. Well, stop. You don't need to listen to their gossip. You need to tell them to who to go to, to talk to, to work out the problem from the biblical way. Well, I want to pray for them. Well, stop them and then pray for them. But you can because you can stop it at a spark. How much damn you say well, it's not hurting me, but it's hurting the person. You can you could stop a forest fire in someone else's life at a spark. That was really good, guys. It's going to get harder though. <laughs> Because this scripture in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 says, For let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, except only such as good for building up as fits the occasion and gives grace to those who hear. Let, I read this scripture and I'm like, they can't be really serious about that, right? I mean, no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, all right? Have you guys ever heard this statement, if you don't have anything good to say? How many of you guys, whole years of your life would be silent, right? I mean, it's just like... That's the way my life would be sometimes. I'd be like, wow, I didn't have anything good to say from 1995 to 2004. What was up with that? (laughs) Then you start to try to live out this scripture. It's like, but how much better would my world be if my words were building up others? If no corrupting talk would come out of my mouth. So I decided a few weeks ago to try this and experiment. And I don't even know if my, anybody around me have no, noticed that I've tried to do it. I don't care. I'm practicing. You know it's okay to practice things, right? And I just decided I'm going to practice. And I did this a few times. I'm going to intentionally go on a negative word fast. So I'm going to fast from negative words in my life. I'm going to try 24 hours of just intentionally watching over my words to listen what comes out of my mouth, to listen to what I speak. And for 24 hours, can I, for 24 hours, like speak no corrupting word out of my mouth. And I would, I would catch myself and I, and I would, you know, so maybe I had some awkward sentences with you or something like that. Can I catch myself and I'd start steering the sentence towards the positive, you know, it's like, yes, you know, I made it, you know. And I decided that I was going to try to Catch people in the act of doing good and honor them and praise them for it. See, we're so good. It's like, well, my default is to catch what's wrong. Like, I'm easy. Like, sometimes I thought it was a spiritual gift for a while, you know. It's not, by the way, but I just thought it was. And, but I was like, God, help me to catch what's right. And when I see something right, to praise them, to honor them, to put out a fire when it's a spark. But you know what? I can also start a positive fire in somebody's life, right? I can start speaking words that get sown into their life that aren't careless words, that are positive words. That leads us 
to the last thing here. The last thing, I, I like to do things that help you remember and to make you at least wonder, what was that all about, you know? So to help lodge something in your mind. So I was driving home from, from church several times over the last few months, and I had this thought, and I believe it's going to help us when it comes to our words. So let's watch. So a few years ago, I moved from the city out into the country, and so I've got to drive over a bunch of hills to get out to my house, a couple one-lane bridges to get out there, and I started to notice something, like the further you get out from the city, the more you get like a welcome wave from complete strangers passing by each other. So it's like people who you don't even know, but it's like you're in the country and so you get like a wave. And so it made me feel like, hey, I'm really in the country now, you know? Like the further out you get, the more waves you get. And so a few months ago, something really interesting started to happen though. And I don't know why it happened. I don't know if there's something in the water. I don't know if the weather changed or whatever happened, but I started to notice that I wasn't getting my country wave. And I would drive by people and no one's waving back. I mean, no one's waving at all. And so I couldn't wave back at them. And so I was really frustrated with this for a while. And then I just started to realize one day, I was like, well, wait a minute. Somebody's got to be the waver. I mean, I'm waiting for them to wave at me so I can give them a, 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 a hello wave back at them. But somebody's got to initiate. And so I just decided, it's like, well, I haven't been waving at people. So maybe there are people who felt just like me who aren't getting their country wave and are feeling frustrated. So I decided I'm gonna be the waver. And so now every person I drive by, I'm waving at them because I'm gonna be the waver. And I started to think about that this week because it's like sometimes it's just that simple for some of us when it comes to our words. Some of us are just waiting for people to initiate positive words towards us or encouraging words towards us. And, and we're just waiting so that we can reciprocate but maybe there are people out there right now who really need us to give encouraging words to them. So you can be the waiver. You can be the one who gives encouraging words. Some of it's, it's just that simple. Proverbs 15 talks about how a word in due season, how good it is. And so if we want to create a godly world with our words, then we got to be the waiver. We've got to initiate positive words. There's somebody right now. How you doing, guys? Be the waiver. Be the waiver, be the waiver. That's, that's the way my brain works, right? Somebody, how you doing? <laughs> I like it. But here's the power that I want you to catch today. Someone is waiting on your words. There's someone who's waiting on your words. This is such a big deal that even it spills over into spiritual gifts to this encouraging word thing. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1, it says, Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies, and here's kind of a little simple definition of, of a gift of prophecy, it says, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding, their encouragement, and their consolation. So sometimes the Holy Spirit will just empower you with a word for someone that is to upbuild them, to build them up, to encourage them, to comfort them. And so here's just a little idea. 
Is there anybody here who wants their relationship, any relationship in your life to improve? Just go ahead and raise your hand. Okay, I hope it's most everybody. Get a little audience participation here. Okay, good. If you want your relationships to improve, stop criticizing and start prophesying. Stop criticizing and start prophesying. Start looking for ways to build up people. Start looking for ways to encourage other people, to console, to comfort. I believe that some of us, even as we hunger and desire after these things and to lean into the Holy Spirit, that we get empowered even by the Holy Spirit in a, in a gifted way to speak these things out. I remember so many times in my life, and I've shared these stories before, but they're so important. I, I remember a time in my life, I was just done. I was ready to quit. I was at the end of my rope. Has anybody been there before, right? And I was just like so discouraged. My circumstances felt like they were swirling around me and there was no way out of them. And so I called up a friend of mine who's been a pastor in my life and I called him up and he didn't give me money. He didn't change my circumstances. He didn't, he didn't even come to me in person. But what he did, it changed the trajectory that I was on. It changed my life in a sense. All he did was speak timely, encouraging words. And those words had so much power in my life that it changed the direction of my life. Has anybody ever had something like that happen before? Do you realize that somebody is waiting on your words? So many of us are just waiting for someone to wave at us or to encourage us. And really, somebody's got to be the encourager. Somebody's got to step out and, and be the one. Do you realize that your words, I can't tell you how many times people in this church have spoken a word to me who have sent me a text or an email or had a conversation with me that you may have not realized. It may have seen, uh, seemed like it wasn't that big of a deal, but it hit me at just a moment when I needed to hear something. That your words have so much power, you have no idea how much power your words have. I can't tell you how many times when God has directed me, the Holy Spirit, in a moment to call somebody, to text somebody, to email somebody, to have a conversation, to drive to a certain place. I didn't know why. I didn't know anything. And I'm like, God, I, I haven't talked to this person for two years, or I haven't, uh, what, this doesn't make sense. And I share what God said to share, only to find out that it walked somebody back off the ledge, or it encouraged somebody, or brought healing in a moment, or they were in a crisis moment, and I called at just the right time. Do you realize that if we are sensitive to the Holy Spirit, there's somebody waiting on our words? There's somebody that's waiting on our words to give an encouragement. You say, well, but Pastor Sean, I need encouragement right now. You know what? Sometimes if you need something, you sow a seed. If you need encouragement, sow a seed of encouragement. And watch the fruit that God brings into your life. See, Colossians chapter four, verse six says, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer. You ought to answer each person. Do you realize we're supposed to be salt, adding flavor to the meal? We're not the meal, you know? Jesus, he's, he's bringing the stuff, but, but we're to be seasoned with salt. We are supposed to bring some flavor while we're on this planet in our conversation. How many of you guys have ever had a bad meal before? Anybody ever had a bad meal before, right? 
had a meal you didn't volunteer for. I, I was running the other day. This happened to me several times. I'd, I was running the other day, and I, got, I, was, I was pushing it, and, and pretty soon at the end, I'm huffing and I'm puffing, and, and all of a sudden, when I'm, I was breathing heavy, and all of a sudden, a bug just right into the back of my throat, you know? And if you're breathing heavy, you have no choice but to swallow. That's it. There's no other option. And so that was, I'm choking on a meal I never wanted to have. And yet, do you realize that's a crude way of looking at it, but sometimes people are choking on the words we're speaking, right? We're not salt. We're not life. I had somebody, after I shared that story last night, give me a personal word. They said, close your mouth while you're running. (laughs) Okay. I'll try that next time. <laughs> but Proverbs chapter 15, verse 20 says, 23 says this, a man has joy by the answer of his mouth, a word spoken in due season, how good it is. I'll have the worship team come back up at this point. We're gonna do something here at the end that's gonna be, I believe it's gonna be powerful. But I believe that someone is waiting on your words. And there's a due season moment for your words. I was in, I was 14 years old. A couple years earlier, I, I had felt called to the ministry at like 12 years old, right? And I'm like, I feel like this is where God is leading in, in my life. And my dad took me and, he took my brother Ben and me, we, we went to a, an outreach in Detroit, Michigan. 14 years old, we're in the inner city of Detroit. We're, do, we're ministering in the streets and the projects with the gangs and all sorts. It wasn't a safe environment. It was just like, let's bring the gospel as part of this big effort. And we, we were part of it. And so we're there in Detroit, Michigan, someplace I'm completely unfamiliar with. And one day we go into this church and downtown there or down in the inner city there, there, there was this this African-American pastor who pastored this church. And this church was all broken down. It was in the inner city. It was just all broken down. And we were there to help renovate it a little bit while we were there. And I mean, I just remember there were even like crumbled concrete and all sorts of stuff. Just everything was messed up. But in the midst of that, at the end of the day, we had a little mini church service there. And this pastor who I'd never met in my life, didn't know anything about me, I'm just a 14-year-old kid. During this time of prayer, he comes up to me and he spoke some things over my life. And one of the things that he spoke to me is this, he said, you're, one day you're going, to, I remember this like yesterday, he said, one day you're going to preach to multitudes. And he laid his hand, he didn't know anything about me, didn't know anything about the desires of my heart, didn't know anything about what God had placed on my heart the call on my life, didn't know anything about that. Never met him before. And yet in that moment, it was like this seed was sown, this prophetic word was sown into my heart. And it stayed with me. So I'm here, I am 41 years old and I still remember that moment. And I think I remember that moment because there were times when it didn't look like the call of God on my life was going to happen. For years and years and years, but I had a word that someone spoke into my life 
that planted in my heart that I fertilized, allowed to grow as a seed, I watered, I tended to, I trusted God with, I didn't try to get frustrated about. And even though it took years longer than I ever thought, one day I, I realized, I was like, whoa, that came to pass. That came to pass. And I may never, as far as, I'm pretty sure I'm never gonna meet this guy until we get to heaven. And he has no idea how much my life was affected, maybe even how much your life has been affected because of one word. Someone's waiting on your words. Someone's waiting on your words. You may have due season words that God plants in your heart that are to be fulfilled years from now. And some of you are frustrated. Please don't be frustrated by a, a word in due season that God gave you. Just because you, he planted in your heart, he may plant it years in advance. Why does he do that? He plants it years in advance so that not you'll get frustrated with the word, but so that you'll have something, a handle to hold on to when it doesn't look like it's going to come to pass. And if you can just hang on to the word, hang on to the word and the words through God's people, through the tough times, oh, it may take years, but he's planted that in your heart and it's your responsibility to let that grow. But here's what I want, I want, to, I want to leave you with. There could be somebody today who's waiting on your words, that they need a word in due season. And if careless words have power, how much more power do prophetic words have? How much more power do prophetic words have? So we're gonna do something here at the end. But I want you to know, for those of you guys who have had something build up for over years that maybe is not so good, Jesus said some words on the cross that if we don't ignore, they can have power in our life. He said, it is finished. And on the cross, he paid the price for our sin so that we could have victory. He took our place so that we could walk in freedom. He rose from the dead so that we could walk in life, so that we could speak life. And we can receive those words even right now. It is finished. The enemy's work is finished in my life. Sin is finished in my life. The old life, it's finished. The new life has come. And as we close up, here's what I'm gonna have us do. Would you all stand up with me? We're going to take just a moment it's going to be very important to listen to the Holy Spirit. If you'd bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment, here's what I want you to do. We're going to put this into practice right now. Right now. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, and each one of us right now, let's do this. Is there anyone in this room that you want me to speak an encouraging word to today. God may show you a person right now that may be in this very room that you're just supposed to step out and they've been waiting on you. And you show up to church not just to receive something, but to give something. Holy Spirit, is there anyone in this room that you want me to share encouraging words with today? Godly words, powerful words.
Now we're gonna broaden it just a little bit. Listen, if there is someone here today, please find them as quick as you can after this service. Is there anyone in my life that I need to speak life words, life-filled words over? They may not be in this room right now. They may be a distant relative. They may be a coworker. Maybe somebody from another service. Your words have power. Someone's waiting on your words. Now, Holy Spirit, is there anything you want to speak to us right now? Because your words are like honey to us. thank you that you are the God of comfort, the God of healing, the God of faith, the God of life. And Lord, today we just thank you that you're big enough for any situation. Use us today, even as we leave this service, to put your word into practice. In Jesus' name, let's worship one more time.